0: and welcome back to another episode of the Thriving in Fatherhood podcast. My name is Talia O'Connor. I'm the host and creator of the show and I'm excited to share a powerful conversation I had with Logan Donnelly, aka Kiwi Dad. So more about that in a moment. First reminder, applications are open for the Men's Self-Leadership Launchpad transformational 10-week online program for men that gets results. I'm, I'm trying to figure out how to share just how powerful this program is. It's a full reset, right? It's a full life reset because we we go into the root cause of a lot of your behaviors, a lot of your patterns. And when you dive in as deep as we do, every area of life gets touched. Your health, your vitality, your relationships, your work, your effectiveness, your efficiency, your leadership, all of it. And so spaces are filling up, we're capped at 18 men and spaces are filling up. So if you are ready to finish this year strong, then I encourage you to go to the link in the show notes, click the link, send in an application, or alternatively just flick me a message and we can get the process started and see if it's a right fit for you. So on to the conversation. So this was a really powerful, vulnerable conversation with Logan, uh, speaking about overcoming and working through fertility challenges and postpartum depression. And even though he, he wouldn't acknowledge necessarily call it that at the time on reflecting upon it, it's like, that's where, yeah, that's where he, he went and that's what he worked through. And it was a really cool conversation, really candid conversation about overcoming challenges. So whether you've experienced or are experiencing those specific challenges, or maybe you're experiencing your own challenges in the lead up to, or um, the aftermath of, of having a child, you're going to draw a lot from this conversation around what he went through how he went through it how he worked through it and how he has come out the other side of it and that really prompted him to do the work that he's doing at kiwi dad um, on instagram so i've got the link in the show notes so go go check him out because what he found was similar to what i found when i went through this transition was there wasn't a whole heap of support and resources for dads that had a lot of depth that was speaking about a lot of the challenges and so he decided to start sharing that so That's how we originally connected over on Instagram. Um, I really enjoyed this conversation and I think you will too. So with that, I leave you with my conversation with Logan Donnelly, aka Kiwi Dad. All right, we're on. Logan, welcome to the Thriving in Fatherhood podcast, my man.
1: Kia ora, man. Nice to be here.
0: Mm, Yeah, looking forward to it. And to kick things off, let's let's just introduce yourself to the audience a little bit and just share where you're at in your fatherhood journey at the moment.
1: Yeah, I suppose it's always hard to narrow it down, eh? Um, I've got a one one child, a daughter named Delilah, she turns two in November, so a couple months away, which is crazy. <laughs> um, yeah, and we had quite a journey getting there which we can get into if you want. I've talked about it a couple of times before, but um, just with some sort of male infertility stuff. Uh, So that was a unique one. And then I think when I became a dad as well, I struggled a lot more than I anticipated, which then led me to start a little Instagram page called Kiwi Dad, which was basically just sharing stuff that I wasn't seeing other people talking about. And I just wanted to kind of yeah sound out things that were going through my head and see if it resonated with anyone else. and yeah, it's kind of bits of me. <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah, nice one, man. And I, I was saying before we hit record that I love yeah, I love what you're doing over there. the more um, different perspectives on the fatherhood game that are out there, the better because um, yeah that's what I certainly noticed in the transition there was a real lack of I guess support, guidance, voices to sort of draw from I mean there was bits and pieces around but yeah, so I love what you're doing over there, um with your parents. Yeah, I man. think
1: it's um like there's a New Zealand guy that's quite famous called How to Dad, which you might have seen he does like, skits and stuff. Yeah, he actually lives in the same town as me, which is super yeah. cool. Um <laughs> nice. But I remember when I became a dad and I was like, Oh cool, there's that how to dad guy, I'll look him up. And then I didn't realise it's all like um sketch comedy kind of stuff. And yeah, I just remember at the time you're like, Oh no, like <laughs> there's not actually and most parenting comment, uh, content is, like, mum-based, you know. Um, or, like, there is some dads out there, but it's largely American. Like, all the books I could find back then, this is a couple of years ago now, I guess two years back when I was starting to really look at it, I just found the American dad stuff didn't really translate well to this sort of Australasia, you know, parenting style, yeah.
0: Yeah, I love the How to Dad guy, but it's, like, there's and there's a need for that to to make light and just for straight totally. humor, um. But I think yeah, I I found the same when I was sort of looking for stuff. It's like where's the stuff with a bit of depth that's actually gonna like get me through these these tough times.
1: Yeah, like where's someone actually sharing the struggle and is anyone else finding it difficult? You know, to uh, meet all these expectations of whatever a dad is now. And I know it's different to every family, but it's definitely changed a lot in the last 50 years i would say.
0: Oh man. Yeah, definitely. And i'm looking forward to to diving into that a little bit as well. But before we do, yeah, let's talk about the transition. Like you mentioned overcoming a few hurdles. So yeah, i I'd, I'd love to hear about your experience because i feel like that there's like different phases. There's the leading up to and like conception and and the mental games we need to navigate for that. And then there's the postpartum which is just like whoa and then you there's these different phases. So take us back to yeah, where it all started with you and your transition into fatherhood.
1: Yeah, so mine's like quite a funny one. Um, I, I just did like a real quick catch up of my sort of hormonal situation. Um, yeah. So when I was um when I was 17, I was in a car crash, had a head injury, didn't think that much of it. Uh, got concussed and things like that, and then started getting migraines, all that kind of jazz. And then at around 21, my uh, partner she's my girlfriend at the time wife now convinced me to go to the doctors and you know go get checked and things like that uh and then I found out that basically my pituitary gland uh it got damaged um so it was spiking with hormones so uh like it's more complicated than this but pretty much it was like it would release like lots of testosterone and then it would just completely stop for like a day or two so i would have these huge highs and then go crashing down And the only way to fix it was to go on testosterone replacement therapy, where you basically just inject the testosterone and then you don't have to worry about the pituitary gland because you're doing it anyway. But the big downside of testosterone replacement is that if you start injecting it, then the testes are like, oh, we don't need to make any testosterone. We'll turn off. And if they turn off, then spermatogenesis making sperm also turns off And so, basically, your balls literally just, yeah, atrophy up. (laughs) And, um, yeah, so, and it's not always, like, 100%, but it's pretty consistent. So, yeah, at at 21, I kind of got given this choice of we can fix everything, or fix everything, but it will make you infertile. And, um, like, even back then, I wanted to be a dad, so I was like, oh, I'm not going to do that. But, yeah, at at 21, it's quite a young age to um, be faced with infertility um and because were you noticing yeah, even, those
0: highs and lows like oh, mentally so and stuff was yeah. Yeah. yeah
1: yeah yeah so I'd, when when i was on a low i'd just be tired all the time and yeah it just wasn't a good good tight ty- like so I didn't, I didn't go on treatment at first. And from 21 to 24, I just tried to like eat really well, got into keto back before keto was like a thing, <laughs> take all my vitamins and stuff. Yeah. But um, yeah. And, like I, I got bloods every three months, but the testosterone was just steadily dropping to the point where um, like the range for testosterone is nine to 30 N um, So just imagine nine to 30, nine being like A 75-year-old man has nine and 30 is like an 18-year-old full of testosterone. And by 24, I was consistently a five. So like not even a 75-year-old man. Yeah. 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 Just and mental health was just terrible. Like I had no drive to do anything, tired all the time. And so, yeah, I mean. Definitely, yeah, did know. And actually the, the like silver lining of that is that during that time I got into like meditating and breath work and all those kind of things to try and manage this sort of down buzz thing. And then when, when I did go on testosterone replacement, all those symptoms went away, but then I had this cool sort of framework and system to manage stress. So, I mean, there's always silver linings to stuff, right?
0: Yeah, yeah, for sure. And so you went on the TRT. And were you guys trying to conceive then? Like what? where were you at in the- No, nah,
1: so we were still like financially not great. Uh, my wife was a nurse by that point and I was studying teaching. And we were sort of, the thing was we'd always, we'd get a house before we tried to have kids and we were still far away from being able to get a house. Um, I think Australia's had a bit of a housing thing now. New Zealand had it a while back where, you know, like the average house is like a million dollars in New Zealand. Yeah. It's ridiculous, man. <laughs> it's, um yeah so it's just so far away from happening but then yeah my mental health was just getting so bad that we're like oh what do we do so then yeah at 24 i went and froze a bunch of sperm and that was a process as well of you know you've got to like have consultations with a fertility specialist and all this sort of jazz of justifying it and make sure you've got viable sperm and that that was like a huge stressor too it was like if i've got low testosterone then i might have like bad sperm and we didn't know and all of that yeah so there's a lot of stuff put into that i think and like especially as like a young guy that maybe didn't fully know how to handle that stress um yeah that that was all just sort of in a in a melting pot of um of stuff but um but yeah, yeah i managed to freeze my sperm started the testosterone replacement And then within three months, my sperm was zero, like nothing detected. Yeah, and so that was definitely a pretty big hit. It's interesting too, because I don't think this is another topic that isn't talked about much, is like male infertility. Like so much stuff is about female infertility. And even the treatment of fertility is basically always aimed at the woman getting their eggs up rather than the sperm. It's... um. Yeah, I've, I learned a lot about this when I was trying to regain my fertility. Can imagine, yeah. But but yeah, I think that's, um. I think because like fertility, and this might just be a me thing, but fertility and like masculinity and, and maleness, they feel kind of linked, right? So if you're infertile, you feel less manly, less masculine. It's just yeah. a- Yeah,
0: yeah. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. How did, how did you navigate that? It's, that it's tricky
1: because like, I wasn't, I wasn't in a rush to have kids. And then it was basically like a free contraceptive, <laughs> you know, like it was Um, like, we just didn't use any protection after that. And we're like, Oh, well, if it happens, it happens. And then next four years pass and nothing, um, not even like a pregnancy scare. So that's how effective it was. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, at first it was okay. And it was sort of just a thing in the back of my head that I probably compartmentalized to be fair, like, I deal with it later. I'll figure it out later. And then fast forward to like once I am a teacher and things like that and we were, we were actually going to move over to UK and do like a nursing teaching kind of thing and cool. try to go travel. Yeah. Um, yeah. And that was sort of the end of 2019. We were setting up for that and then 2020 comes and COVID and lockdown and yeah. all that fun stuff. Um, but then the money that we'd been saving for this trip – they changed the lending laws in New Zealand. So like you need a 20% to, um, deposit to get a house. And when COVID happened, all the banks were scared. So they changed it to 10%. And we we're like, hey, we I think we actually have 10% with our savings for going over to UK. So we, we gave it a shot. And um, yeah, basically it all worked out and we ended up getting a house. But it was a new build. The government was doing like a thing, trying to encourage builds. So they made them cheaper. And and we and we got it, and then the build was gonna be a year. But then the, the deal was always if, if we have a house, we'll start trying for babies. And and so we had this this one year timer of the house being built, and then it suddenly became a big thing again, you know, and it's like, oh, what what do we do here? Do I come off the testosterone replacement? And that that was a whole thing. Um, but long story short, there's there are fertility drugs that you can take. Um, at the same time as testosterone replacement that basically send a signal to the testes to make sperm. Uh, and we we do have them in New Zealand but they're only prescribed for women like in the actual um, formulary directions men aren't part of it at all. Um, but then in America and UK they like they don't actually prescribe particularly in America they don't prescribe TRT testosterone replacement without this drug. Wow. With HCG. Yep. Because in America, you get sued if you make someone infertile. So they're like, you have to take, take this. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But then I had to then try with, and New Zealand is quite behind with, any mm-hmm. of this stuff, in my yeah. opinion. Um, but yeah, I had to try and get, I originally went to the people I like froze my sperm with, and I had like all the all this research and studies and stuff. I'm sure they must have thought I was like a Dr. Google kind <laughs> of guy, but uh, I was like, look, this is what America's doing. And they're like, that's a woman's drug. I was like, I know, but, but you can use it for men. They're like, nope, that's a woman's drug. And I was like, ah, oh. I, I ended up jumping around like a couple urologists and endocrinologists. And then finally, I got a urologist that was like, Oh yeah, I have. I've been talking to people in the states and blah blah blah. And yeah, let's let's trial it. So I managed to get him to um, prescribe it to me. And I think it was probably the first person in New Zealand, maybe even now. I don't know to actually yeah, get wow. HCG clinically. Um, yeah, that, that's a whole another. really can't do it anymore. This, this is a problem for later for me. But um, yeah. But anyway, I managed to get the the HCG Prignol, as it's like brand name. And started injecting that. And it's like a subcuts on your stomach every other day. So, like a pretty hardcore injection schedule. And then, um, like a, a bit of sciencey talk when you inject HCG, it's called a, a luteinizing hormone. It's what they test for in pregnancy tests, actually. But basically, it sends a signal down to the testes to say, start making um, sperm and, and start making a bit of testosterone as well but then when it finishes its job it aromatizes and turns into estrogen so it like finishes what it's doing and then turns into estrogen so then I've suddenly got way more estrogen than I've ever had before because I'm injecting it all the time um, so like I start getting like all the PMS symptoms like I've been mean, like Bloating, sensitive nipples, super emotional, like all of it. Um, yeah, and you, you can take drugs too, they're called aromatized inhibitors and they basically destroy estrogen, but that can be worse for you because if you have no estrogen, you're, um, yeah. Not, it's, it's not, not a good, good time. So mm-hmm. I I'd, I'd, I'd prefer not to take another drug and mess around with any of that. So I just let the estrogen happen. Um, but then, yeah, that was probably, I remember saying to Charlie, my wife at the time, Uh, oh sorry at the time sorry still my wife at the time I was telling you Um, (laughs) yeah 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 Um, but I was like yeah about three months in I wasn't sure if I could do it because I was just like so emotional Mm -hmm. I mean like yeah I'd watch a movie and my eyes would water I'd just be so or like teaching kids like I taught at the time intermediate kids so that's sort of like um, 12 13 year old kids and you know like they were always like snarky and all that kind of stuff and you're used to it but when you're that emotional one of them's like you suck mr donnelly it's like you know you're like oh I don't <laughs> know. yeah it just it really hit quite hard um yeah yeah so, so that was a whole thing to navigate but um the positive is that only about five months and charlie got pregnant oh wow it's like wow so yeah, you didn't it's a use way... the frozen
0: sperm in the end you were nah they're uh, yeah. still
1: frozen <laughs> yeah at the moment yeah um and like in both our heads, like all the studies I'd seen, it seemed like it took about 12 to 18 months for the drugs to work. So we're kind of thinking, you know, a year to a year and a half, if we're lucky, it might work. So they have a, a I think it was four and a half months and she's pregnant, was like, wow. But then like the house wasn't built, uh, you know, it froze all year, You things said, I mean, there's never an ideal there's time. Plan. to plan. I had have a baby. Plan. Yeah, 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 yeah. And then I think, like, we've talked about it a lot since I think both of us didn't really believe that, like, she was pregnant or that maybe, like, that uh, the the birth would all go ahead, you know, that it was viable, a lot, a lot of fear of miscarriage. And, um, yeah, and so I think both of us really didn't think it would happen each time, you know, you hit those milestones where, you're like, you find out the gender and all that sort of stuff and we're like it's starting to feel a little realer but i don't know is it like um like i didn't stop taking the hcg until i think seven months into charlie's pregnancy because we were like Just this baby's case. not gonna actually yeah. happen and i'll stay fertile and um so that was kind of where we were at with it, it was like we really didn't believe i think too because of the way the drugs were worked we were like oh it's probably like not actually a healthy sperm and stuff like that i don't know there's all that kind of stuff floating yeah the around. stories yeah yeah yeah, yeah
0: and it's an interesting um because the journey to fatherhood or parenthood it's like been a long you've been thinking about this you had to and making decisions around this since you were 21 and so it's this long road but then it was still a surprise like and it was still this like so it's an interesting combination because normally people are either sort of like oh yep very much planning or it's like whoa we're having a baby one or the other and it's like almost like you guys had this unique combination of like lots of thought lots of intention lots of research and then it's still
1: being a surprise and being yeah that's i haven't actually thought about it like that but you're totally right it's like it took so much effort to get the fertility back but at the same time was not prepared yet to Become a, a parent, a dad, you know, like that's so like, interesting, a, yeah. yeah, yeah,
0: yeah, 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 yeah. And then, so, two things I want to, yeah, transition into how you navigated, yeah, that transition once Bubs was born. But because I've, yeah, I know a few people who have had fertility journeys. How did the relationship go? How did, how, was there lots of stress? Were you guys really on the same team? Was it like really tough, like, yeah, how? Cause uh, yeah, I know a lot of people where that has like, it's taken a toll on the relationship. So, so what was that like for you guys? How did you guys navigate it?
1: Yeah, I forget um like, we're really lucky that we didn't have to do the sort of IVF, IUI option, but that was always sort of hovering around with the frozen sperm and stuff. And that was like, it's one of those ones where you try and just avoid the conversation almost, right? Like you sort of just keep pushing it to the side. Yeah, I, like I was fine with it because, yeah, like I said in my head, I wasn't in a rush to become a dad. I wanted to become one, but I wasn't in a rush. Where for Charlie, I think it's probably, it was a lot more of a pressing thing. And then again, that plays into that, like, I'm the problem because I'm the infertile one, you know? So um, I think there definitely was difficult conversations. And then like, even when I was trying to get those fertility drugs and keep getting declined, you know, every time you get declined, it's like a little nail of you know this negative and then making ivf a bigger thing and so i i think it definitely was um was testing and then even i guess like the injections and all the hormonal stuff that i was getting from it that was hard too because it was like oh man i'm putting myself through this and like i don't know if i'm ready yet <laughs> you know like it was such a but I'd, I'd made this agreement that i would start trying once we got a house so it's yeah i don't There was a lot of stuff involved in it um i probably haven't thought about it that much since then but yeah no i think there was um there was yeah a lot of things going on there yeah you know. yeah yeah and then and
0: then transitioning into bubs being born because i saw in, in a, a video of yours you haven't spoke like speak to that postpartum phase especially for dads where testosterone drops and you know we change hormonally like as, and that depends on you know amount of present time with child and all of these things but how did you go yourself in that transition like like was that a real challenge was that yeah what was that like for you those for that fourth trimester kind of
1: period way harder than I anticipated um like yeah I think because like I'm not a teacher anymore but I I was a teacher and really I don't know just to sort of I'm a passionate guy, you know, I'm more in touch with my feelings than some other fellas. Um, and so I guess I like, it was like, oh, I'm so going to be into being a dad and, you know, all these preconceived, I think I'm like, I was picturing what it's like to have a toddler and forgetting about the, the newborn stage, you know? Um, but yeah, I think like, so when Delilah was born, she was born flat so she wasn't breathing um, and her lungs were filled with mucus and she didn't actually take her first breath for like almost six minutes And They had the oxygen on her but they couldn't. So it was quite a traumatic um, and then she had to stay in uh, NICU, the neo-intensive unit, for like three nights after that because um, she had an infection and stuff. And then that was like sort of a New Zealand had COVID like lockdowns a bit later Uh, we had the initial one but I think you guys got over it but for us in 2021 we had that then so I couldn't stay at the hospital or anything like that got kicked out so that was that was quite a difficult start and then Lila like for the first probably four or five months she had really bad reflux possibly from the antibiotics and all of that stuff but she would literally like she could only sleep maybe 20 minutes and then she would just projectile vomit and wake up screaming. And, um, and so that like added a real element of like, you you're always sleep deprived when you're a new parent, but we didn't realize until seeing other babies as well. Like, oh, your baby doesn't wake up every 20 minutes. Like sometimes you get two hours. Like we just didn't have that. And so it was really, and like then we had to go down a whole bunch of meds and stuff for Lila and, It was a whole thing, man. Um, But yeah, I think that that lack of sleep was a huge one. And then at the same time, so leading up to Lila being born, I think I like probably went into a bit of a stress state and I started working. So I was doing teaching, which is sort of like 40, 50 hours a week. And then I started doing the job I do now, which is like um, workplace training and e-learning. But I was doing both of them at the same time. So I'd work like nights and then the weekends doing maybe like 70 hours a week because so I was trying to get a job with the one I'm doing now because it was work from home predominantly and I was like oh that'd be great so I was just going for a hard out it to the point that when Lila came I think I was already completely burnt out you know like I was just smashing it with this goal of like I'll work from home next year it'll be so much better and then it all kind of coincided. So like Lila was born um, the end of November or 24th of November. And then I left teaching in December and started my job working from home. Then had the two-week break for Christmas and then was working from home after that. And so it's like you just become a parent and you're trying to navigate what working from home like and setting boundaries even for yourself, right? Like working from home is quite difficult and then when you've got like this newborn there that has not slept and then like charlie's just absolutely knackered so then i'm trying to help you know i'm like oh i help and then i get behind on my works so i'm staying up late trying to do that still trying to help but it was just um yeah like i, I got to a real low point um where it's pretty much like like a form of postpartum depression where i was just like i don't how am i going to do this i i don't know how I'm going to survive this yeah know? yeah
0: how far in was that like was that a few months in was that
1: yeah I'd say probably um in my head it's uh, sometimes it's a bit it's a bit cloudy but maybe around this sort of three month to six gotcha. month that time yeah yep. probably too, because I thought like at three months it might get a bit easier and then I was sort of also holding out for six months everyone's like They sleep through the night and stuff. You know, you see all these things posted. We were like, six months, six months. And then it still didn't happen. And it was like, oh, my gosh. Like, it's just, this is it now. And, you know, you, um, you, you don't realize that it's just a season and it feels like it's the rest of your existence. And, like, you even logically, you know, but you're so tired and so tunneled. You just, that's what it feels like. You're like, I just, this is my life now. Oh, no. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And and you respond accordingly. Your brain responds as if it is that. It's um, Mm. really intense. And so when you're in the moment, because like you said then, you know, maybe a form of postpartum depression um, and uh, that definitely doesn't get spoken about much in men. Did you have that recognition when you were in it? Like, were you like, oh, I can feel depressive moods or do I have depression like like we was that mentally were you aware to that or were you just sort of in the thick of it at the time
1: it's kind of tricky like charlie was saying like you should probably like go get some help and stuff like that and so i was aware of it but i was also like i would i'd say like the depression side of it was being masked by almost like anger right like grumpiness like uh, i was more like i wouldn't feel this way if I could just get my work done or I wouldn't feel this way if I could just go to the gym every morning, like I used to do, you know, like I had all these routines that would keep me sort of in good shape meditating in the morning, you know, all that stuff. And all that kind of got thrown out the window. (laughs) And so then as, as it does, right. Yeah. And then, so my brain was sort of justifying like, I'm not depressed. It's just because of this, this, and this, that's the problem, you know, (laughs) like, so um, I think I was probably quite stubborn. And I remember like, Uh, we we had a lot of talks about it and around that five month fish mark where I was like, oh, who am I now? I don't even, I don't like this guy. He's like this grumpy dude that's just not happy. And, uh, you know, I wasn't enjoying the cool moments of being a dad either. I was just sort of in this constant, like, we're going to do this and this and this and this momentum. And um, yeah, I, I, so I'd say I was aware of it somewhat, but I was probably in denial quite a bit and was masking it with sort of this grumpy resented mint feeling
0: yeah yeah nice one I, I think that's super relatable a lot of the guys I've spoken to that have had similar experiences it's definitely frustration irritability like all of those things are what present yeah yeah so it doesn't show up and that's what I find is often a roadblock to getting the help that can sometimes be needed and so when you kind of had that realization where you're like, like, who am I? Like, what's going on here? Did you get support eventually? Like, how did you how did you come out the other side of that?
1: Yeah, so I um I'm lucky I've still got like um teacher's health insurance, which like um pays you fifty percent back on counseling and stuff like that. So um that was enough of a push for me to be like, okay, I get half of it back. I'll go see somebody and talk about things and then it's that thing right as you you have to articulate what you're feeling to someone and they probe you a bit here and there you're like, oh yeah, there's there is some problems, you know like and and but it also like it's a weight off your off your shoulders, right as you start talking, I feel like maybe not all guys are like this, but for me I I get into this trap where I think I can think my way out of something yeah. you know like I'll just I'll think about it and I'll think my way out and then it's not until you actually share it with someone else that you're like, oh yeah that's stupid like (laughs) like you know even just that like the reason i'm grumpy is because of my routine blah 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 and it's like that when you have to say it out loud you're like of course there's no routine like come on man you're not gonna change that right now just go with the flow is it worth getting this upset and grumpy about it um so yeah i mean for me it was so good to reach out and and communicate and get that stuff off off my chest and that like helped a lot. Um at the same time I because I'd started to have like beers quite a bit and stuff. You know, like end of each day, I'll have a beer. And then all of a sudden it was like, oh, I'll have four beers. And that was just it wasn't a problem problem, but it was definitely getting there. So then I just took the rest of the year off drinking, you know, just just stayed sober completely. And then realized that I'd like probably never had more than a month where I hadn't, you know, got drunk or something like that. And then, like, oh, maybe that is a problem I wasn't aware of. But then, yeah, that then led me down a cool journey of, yeah, just getting back in touch with yourself, you know, and and trying to catch myself when I was feeling irritated and grumpy and take a step back, you know, and be like, why, like, what, what is it? Like, is it worth this response? More than likely, it's not. And it's like, okay, why, what, what are these triggers that are setting me off? So, yeah, it set me onto a new path, which I'm real grateful for.
0: Yeah, nice one. And so, Nearly two, two in a couple of months. So it's sort of like what a year from that point, kind of thing. So, how has this last year been for you? Obviously, you so were, much better. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 Nice one. Yeah. And because you mentioned when we were chatting, um one of the things that's coming up now is like, okay, first child nearly two. Like, what does that mean for number two? And like, so that's starting to creep in. Yeah. Talk to me about that because I think that's also really common it's like whether you're caught off guard whether you're prepared it's like it's going to initiate you that transition to parenthood and then sometimes it's like whoa do I want to go through that again and then I speak to yeah I have a lot of women coming to me where their partner's like unsure if they want to have another kid like there's a lot of resistance around and concern around this that next step so yeah you're in that at the moment how how's that going for you how are you navigating it what are the things you're considering
1: yeah, man. No, it is um it's a tricky one. So yeah, Lila's turning too soon and our friend circles all starting to kind of have babies now. Like we were sort of the first now. Okay, group. gotcha. How um, old are you guys? And then you know, um 30. So yeah, my wife's 29, but yeah. Yeah, and then that kind of kicks the all those conversations up again, right? And then like our situation being that I have to go on those drugs, we have to plan it somewhat. And then annoyingly, so during COVID, America ran out of HCG, the drug that I took. So then they stopped selling it to Australia and New Zealand to like recoup their resources. And they've just never brought it back so it's not available in either country now. And there's there's another drug you can take, which I then went to a fertility doctor only a little while ago. And they're like, nope, not giving it. Am I the guy that let me try the drug initially he can't prescribe this other one so we're in the situation again of like oh no okay what are we going to uh what are we going to do and does that open up all that IVF stuff um and that's sort of literally happening right now is trying to work out is there a way to get these drugs and and I'm trying again that basically that same cycle of what doctor will give me (laughs) a drug that'll work or I could come off testosterone but uh, it's been like five six six years now um so i would feel way worse and like if i stop the injections i'll go back to a worse state than i was to begin with because they've been turned off for so long so like it'll be a miserable time but i'll probably get my fertility back that way gotcha if i wanted to so so i mean that's that's all one part of it and then you've got the part of that i feel still almost like a ptsd of that first sort of six months And like, now we're in a point where there is a routine. I do go to the gym again in the morning, you know, all those things that like help me regulate are all back and it feels really good, right? Like it feels nice to have structure. It's different. It's a different type of routine, but there is a routine now and that makes me feel good and stable and safe. And then, so it's scary, the idea of going back to that complete lack of routine and we're going to have a toddler, <laughs> you know, so it's like it's, it might even be more difficult. And I think it is from what I've heard from uh, people with two kids that it's actually sometimes harder having the second kid. And that's like quite scary. Yeah, I can imagine. Yeah, so I don't But then there's like another thought of that the longer you leave it, say if we get like say Lila's five before we have another kid. It's going to be even harder to go back. Like at least right now it's still fresh in the memory, right? Um and we don't want a big age gap between kids as well, so it's just um there's so many different elements say, eh, to fertility and being a parent and all of this relationship dynamics.
0: Yeah, yeah, man, it's a lot and it it's a lot without the fertility stuff and so it's like with that there as well. It's like mentally, emotionally, yeah, uh, it's uh yeah, it, it's it's a lot. And so, yeah, with that, because it's then you've just got the juggling of fatherhood, the juggling of work and relating and and parenting, and that's another thing we've kind of spoken about a little bit. Um, And I've seen like some of your commentary on like the role of the father, and I'd love to dive into that, your perspectives on that, what you're noticing in yourself, because you shared that that interesting realization you had about your dad <laughs> um, and what he did and didn't do as a father. And then it's like, oh, whoa, things have changed so much in realistically a really short amount of time in terms of the expectations of, of on our, our role and the fact that it's, it can look a million different ways. Like how have, how have you navigated that yourself um, as a team with Charlie? Like, yeah, talk to me a little bit about that.
1: Yeah, man. Yeah, it's funny um that because I think you were talking on Instagram a couple of weeks back about about this, and then that's what led me to make a video. It was it was in my mind from our conversation, and then yeah, my so for context for anyone listening, um my dad was over a few weeks back, and I was changing a nappy, as you do, and then my dad said, "Oh, I've never actually changed a nappy before," and I was like. What do, you, what do you mean? And he's like, Nah, yeah, just I've never done it. Your mum always did it. And I just, like, I couldn't even compute it. You know, I was like, how is this, like, how is it possible? Like, how did you just never change a nappy either? Like, and I've got an older sister, so, like, there's two children there and he's never changed a nappy. Um, but, yeah, no, I just think it's, it's quite crazy how I think, like, in the video I made, it was about sort of 1960s dads to now. So we've kind of had two even kind of three generations since then, they've sort of done incrementally more each time. But yeah, like the 1960s dads, the, I can't remember the exact stats, but it was like they spend, I think, 22 minutes a, a day with their child. That was the average. And of that, they only spoke with them for 30 seconds or 33 seconds. Just crazy. like. And now this is in America, and now it's like two to two and a half hours the average dad spends a day with their kid talk with them for like an hour <laughs> so like a lot more but still is that stats present day present day yeah, or from i think it was 2011 so yeah, 10 years pre- ago but close enough yeah um yeah that's and wild. america as well which is different i think like uh, i'd like to see australia new zealand because i think it's more sort of traditional gender roles still in america kind of yeah you
0: know? yeah yeah that's still um still wild isn't it it's mm. um yeah I couldn't imagine that amount of time. <laughs> oh. Yeah,
1: it's just crazy. Yeah. but yeah, I think that is like just that change of, I think the like 21st century dads actually have quite a difficult challenge and that, you know, we just keep it jumping back to the 1960s dads where like they probably didn't even tell their kid they loved them. I'm making a generalization, but they probably didn't. Their main goal was just to earn money and to pay the bills If they were like nice to their partner, that's great. But I mean, they probably even beat up their partner, you know, like that. That's what it was like then. So really their job was just like provide money. And maybe if they had a son, they'll try and like shape him in his image, you know. And that was, again, generalizations. But, you know, a stereotype is there of that. And now you jump forward to now sort of 2020 onwards where dads are like, if they didn't tell their kid they love them, People will be like, what? Like, what kind of dad are you? You know, like if you're just making money, that is not enough. Like you also have to be a great partner, you know, a great parent that's super involved with your kid. There's just like a whole different list of expectations. And I think like most dads want to do that. Like, I want to do that. I want to be that. But it is really, it's hard. And there's a lot of hats to wear. And like often, like I say, with my dad never changing a nappy, I don't actually have the role model of that like I'm the first one to try and do all of it and I think a lot of dads are going through that it's like you've got so many things to juggle and also there's like a sort of media narrative that dads don't do enough you know potentially just sort of men in general I don't know it's um, you know there's a few angles there but like it's almost like it's not enough you should be doing more but we're also doing more than we've ever done and we're trying our best, but we don't really know what we're meant to do. And and you know, you chuck in again, like um when I first became a dad and like my wife breastfed, I didn't have a whole lot to do. And you're trying to help, but you don't know how to help. You don't you don't know what you're meant to do. And so you feel this like lack of control, lack of you don't know what to do. You just feel like this extra part that doesn't know. Yeah, it's so I think it's just such a challenging time for so many Dads. Um parents in general, because I mean like mums are working now way more than they used to. There's some crazy stats on that too. So expectations across the border. I think parenting is harder now, in my opinion, than it used to be. But yeah, open to debate on that one.
0: Yeah, I like, and again, it's hard to um to to know for sure, you know, not having been there and you can look at the stats and stuff. I think my analogy for what you just shared there is like Lots of dads are trying to play a game that they don't know the rules to. So they're just kind of like flapping about, having a crack. Yeah. And it's, and it's challenging. And I feel like the, the moving away from, I think it's all been a good thing, but like moving away from those strictly defined roles, obviously a good thing. Do you know what I mean? More choice, more equity. Like that's where we want to be heading. And what it means is there isn't clearly defined roles. So it's like, Who's doing what? How are we how are we rocking this thing? Like we need to and define how do we keep it. it. Yeah, equitable
1: across each other, right? Yeah. And across
0: time, and across time, because it's like for this period, it's like this is what is needed, and then for this period, this is what is needed. And I just I feel like it requires a really high degree of communication that we didn't necessarily have modeled. Like a lot of people are rocking up to parenthood with not necessarily the best communication. Blueprints and skills, and so it's like totally, yeah, man, I, 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 yeah, relate to that a lot, and yeah, what, what have you? Because and the other thing you mentioned is like not having somewhere to go for the guidance as well. Because say if you went to your, like, this is what I. Even if we had the amazing parents, well-meaning parents, loving parents, beautiful parents, they still parented in a different era. So we would still go to them with our challenges, and they would be like. They can't speak from personal experience because they haven't parented in this era. And so I feel like that support is missing a lot. And I'm curious, did you, how have you gotten support? Have you continued counseling? Have you got other men around you? Have you like, what have you you had, if you have had anything in the way of that support? I'm I'm really curious as to how people are are finding that because I feel like we need it in some capacity
1: totally man yeah um well i think like the the kiwi dad thing i do on instagram that that was the kickoff of all of this was that yeah i was literally trying to find other dads going through this and and like how they were managing with all these requirements of performing at work performing at home performing as a parent and then yeah i couldn't find it i was like man we like how is no one talking about this so then that's what made me start making videos of like hey I'm struggling with this like one of my very first videos was about noise cancelling headphones and how I just have to put them on sometimes and even like still sing to Lila because again she had bad reflux but I just needed that that wall because I was just pierced me you know like hearing the cries and stuff I was just really struggling and so I I made that as like one of my very first videos being like is anyone else struggling? Like, is there anyone else out there? And do you have any tips? And then um, that sort of organically grew over time. But that helped in a huge way, because now like people message me all the time, mainly dads, sharing stuff, and then they'll be like, bro, like, she's just not sleeping, or you know, like, we're just, does it ever get better? And like, it's so cool being a bit further along in the journey and being like, Dude, I know it sucks, man. It's so hard. It, it will get better. Like, trust me, it will. Like, start some solids sooner rather than later. And maybe the reflux will get better if that's what they're having, you know, but like all that kind of stuff. Yeah, like I'm, I'm lucky in that sense that even starting the pages then connected be with people like yourself, right? Like this conversation. And there's a guy called the Dad Vibes that um, I've been yelling with him for a while and he's just started a podcast. But yeah, like I think. Once I started it, then I started connecting with more people. And then like some of my mates have become dads now. So you can start. And, you know, it's so interesting how other men talk about it. Because like sometimes I try and pry a little bit, you know, like, are you struggling? You know, and they're like, oh, it's fine. You know, it's all good. <laughs> it's like, ah, <laughs> oh, you could just tell there's all this stuff, but they don't know how to share it. So they're not quite able to, um, yeah. But um, yeah, I think that's probably a big one for me is that, yeah, like I've made videos a couple times a week for just over a year now. And that's like just been this organic thing of processing ideas. And then by doing that, I like listen to more podcasts and things like yours of and like that one you did on Finding Space um, where I'm just trying to listen to like, ah, oh, cool, they're struggling with that as well. Like sweet. And then, oh, they tried this. Cool, I'll make a video about it. By making a video about it, I can try and implement that strategy myself, you know, and it um it just kind of goes from there. Like a lot of it's relationship stuff. Like um we did like a percentage check in where it's basically I Brene Brown talks about it. But yeah, it's like when you get home or you finish work and you just say percentage check and you say a number, your partner says a number, and you know you might say you're a seven, they might say they're a three. And then you don't have to go into detail and like if she said if Charlie says she's a three, I'm like, okay, all good i'll handle dinner you know i'll make sure we're all right and then if someone's continuously a three or a two then you have to sit down and have a convo like what's up what's going on and but you don't have to like do it every day that level of convo you know you can just quickly be like i'm not good i don't sometimes you don't know right like i have days where i'm just feeling depleted dopamine and i just don't want to do anything and i can't articulate exactly why i just don't have much in me. I don't have many spoons to give, yeah. so it's um, yeah, yeah, yeah but I love. yeah, I do think it's lacking, man. It is,
0: yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. No, I was just gonna say, I love that. I love the percentage check. I do something similar, and the whole not having to communicate it every time, I think, is a key part to that because you can over communicate. And then talk yourself into these reasons that might not even be there. And then the next day you just slept well and you're like, oh, I'm good again. (laughs) Do you know what I mean? So like I love that. And just paying more attention to patterns than incidences, if that makes sense. It's like Mm. did we have one. Yeah, rather than that moment. Yeah, yeah. did we have this one fight about this thing this one time and then it was a non-issue or do we fight about this every week? And if it's an every week thing, then it's like, okay, let's unpack it. Because it's a capacity thing too, you know, it's like, Yeah, it's, do we have the capacity to dive into every little thing? Probably not.
1: (laughs) If you had to unpack every little argument, you know, because you you made a short comment because you were tired and you had to unpack every one, you just, like, you get nowhere. Like, it would feel, because sometimes it, it is, like, a chore to unpack why you had a fight, right? Like, you're like, oh, I don't want to. And sometimes you really, you do need to. But it takes energy. It takes some of your mana to like to do it. <laughs> like and it, sometimes you don't, like you say, you don't have the capacity to actually unpack something. Sometimes you go to sleep, and the next day you can talk about it, and both of you aren't so heated, and it's actually not that big of a deal. Where if you try to unpack it yesterday, it probably would have turned into a bigger fight. I don't, yeah, it's it is a hard one, man. Yeah,
0: definitely, and it does take more energy to create a new pattern to go somewhere new than to just do the old thing like you say it does take resources and i think um a lot of people especially if you're in that fatigue period or going back to that six month mark for you it's like good luck you know what i mean it's like the sea the, the, it's yeah, not the season no time for it. To communicate. Yeah. yeah yeah and it's i think um yeah. like you said the power of podcasts the power of um social media is if people don't have it in person or with their dad or with brothers or with whatever to just have somebody be like it's going to be okay sometimes that's all we need sometimes it's like sweet okay you've been here too and it can get better okay I can stop freaking out and grind doesn't make take it all away but it's um I remember and I've shared it before but I, I was hosting a retreat and there was a few young guys a few young dads and then there was a couple of men in their sort of late 40s who were who were dads a few of the younger guys were talking about intimacy struggles with intimacy and connection and reconnecting in post-baby, sort of kids sort of like under three, and really unpacking it and, and what might be there, da da- da. And it was so funny because the, the older guys were just like, "Just relax. It gets better. It's just a season." And you could see the collective exhale, like, "Ah!" And they're all like, we're having the best sex of our lives in our 40s. Like, gets better. Like, just chill out and, and do the thing. Like, and that was just so grounding. Do you know what I mean? And, and and you can just spend so much energy. And it's not that you want to ignore your problems, but it's also like, I don't know, it just speaks to the importance of that outside perspective, especially someone like an elder, which we don't really have you much know, it's, of. Yeah, it's
1: like... Um shared suffering right like when someone else suffered through the same thing and they've overcome it then like but the second year i remember one of the very first podcasts i heard was um it's like a kiwi birth tales thing and it, it was a guy from the radio called clint and he just said something i can't even remember exactly but it was something along the lines of like man it sucks so bad i just wanted to run away sometimes and he said he'd like pull over in his car on his way home and he'd have to psych himself up just to go back home um and that now it's great he, he's got past it blah 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 but as he said it i was like oh like yes okay that eject and that that wanting to run away is normal i'm not like because you you feel like guilt I it like i i really struggled to bond with delilah probably not until about six months that i really feel connected with her and then that's like a real like that messed with my brain a lot because i was like oh do i like not want to be a dad and and then like a guilt of like feeling that way you know yeah and i think it is man it's hard like and, and yeah hearing other people talk about it you're like oh okay cool like i'm not i'm not like some terrible human being for not loving my baby the second i saw her like it's okay, that's normal, and a lot of dads have that,, mm-hmm.
0: yeah, yeah, that's a big one, and it's um it's so there's such a varied experience with that one as well. I've spoken to a few guys about that, and there's that range of experience, I think that's the big thing as well, like you know, if we had the village, if we had these conversations, if this was all normalized and not behind the curtains, a lot of the time, it'd be sweet, but it's like that thing. And I see this relationally as well. When people are struggling in their relationship early on and they think they're the only one, it's like it's not good because then it's guilt, then it's shame, and then it compounds. And then it's like, yeah, when when I I run a group program with couples in the first call, once people, the biggest thing they get out of it is like, oh, we're not alone. Oh, we're doing okay. Oh, and then that creates the space to move forward. And I think, yeah, as men, as dads, there's lots of people lacking that space and that recognition and it can spiral like it can spiral downwards yeah pretty quick so yeah what would you say because you'd already you'd already had support oh like that that choice point where because your partner was like i think you should maybe go and see someone go and get some support and you were like nah this is the gym routine like when you're at that choice point what actually tipped you over to yeah okay i'll go get some help because I feel like there's a lot of guys that resist that at that point, their partners are like, can you please do something? Can we do something? And they're just in it. And so just in case there's anybody like listening that's at that point, I do know it was a long time ago, but can you remember what helped you to go from not wanting to, to to wanting to?
1: Yeah, man, totally. Um, so I started working, like I, I live in Tauranga and the city I would often go travel to is called Auckland, which is like three hours drive away Um, and my job started to pivot from mainly work from home to like one or two days up in Auckland just sort of doing meetings and conferences and stuff and I kept doing that for a bit around this window as well Um, and I'd drive up early morning work all day stay in a motel work all day drive back home and then on one of the drives home I was just absolutely exhausted and I just remember being like if a truck hits me right now, it's okay. You know, like I was just at that point where I was like, this is just too hard. I don't care anymore. You know, I just felt so apathetic to everything. And then I'm pretty sure I got home and just like bawled my eyes out, you know, like, oh man, I just like, I don't like my life, you know. Um, And then that for me was pretty much like, okay, if I'm like all good with a truck running me over and leaving behind like my newborn and my wife, that's probably a good sign that I need some help and I can't do this on my own. And so, yeah, for me, that was probably, but that that had been building over time, like along with what I talked about of feeling like I'm this real grumpy guy and stuff like that. And then I think to get to that point, and again, this is why I have a almost PTSD of the first six months is because I'm like, oh man, I got so low that I was willing for it to just all end. Oh, I don't want to go near that, you know. But yeah, for me, I wish I didn't have to go that low to have done it. And I don't even know why I was so resistant. Cause like when I was younger, like when I was in that time before starting testosterone, I went on antidepressants for a year and didn't think anything of it. I was like, all good. I need this right now. But then I think probably because I I had gone on them in the past and then got into like meditating and all these routines and then come off them that I was like. I don't need that anymore. I'm past that. So I felt like a regression, you know, to like have to go back and get help. So,
0: yeah. Nice one. That's a great point to share. I think that's, yeah, that'll be super relatable. I think, because it's like, we don't want to go backwards. It's like, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. Nice one, man. Thank you for sharing that so openly. Fast forwarding to now, as, as we go to wrap things up, where are you at now? Like, you've spoken to sort of like this, the next child is, is there and potentially like conversations around that are happening, but as it pertains to, um, your fathering, you as a father at the moment, what's the, what's the biggest challenge at the moment for you? Like, like what's, what's the biggest stretch right now in, in that aspect of your life?
1: Yeah, I think it's, um, like, it's a lot better. I find for any dads listening to that are struggling even to, feel bonded still like around that one year mark man when you can actually start play fighting and like doing all that stuff it's like so full of joy you know like it genuinely it's what I thought being a dad was it just came later like there's still challenges you know and there's still rough nights but like it's so much more predictable and it's so much more fun and like even just going to the zoo and stuff and seeing her you know, like see monkeys and she keeps saying monkeys all the time but Ooh, uh, uh, and stuff you know like all these little moments where like I don't know we've gone to the zoo before you're like oh yeah some animals but when you see it through your kids eyes it's like it's joyous man it's so cool um yeah that's so that's that's a highlight for me probably the challenge is still just like going with the flow and being present you know like it's, it's still such a hard one for me of you know i'll get a work call and i'll get all stressed out about it and then you know i'll come out because i'll come out for my lunch breaks because i still predominantly work from home and i just want to like hang out with lila but i'm like oh no i was like i gotta do this or like even the QI dad thing i love but i feel this like compulsion to make something every other day pretty much so i'm always like oh i should edit a video and then if that's in my mind when i'm like trying to be you know a present dad it's pulling me back a bit you know i'm like i need to just do what I'm doing there and not think about other stuff. And this it's probably the same old that every parent has of juggling everything and, and making sure that the plate stays spinning, that you give enough time to your partner and you give enough time to yourself too. Because like, that's probably the one that kids sacrifice the most, right? Is like, I can't remember the last time I just like sat down and played PlayStation, just chilled out like that. Like it just doesn't, that one goes first. And so trying to like find the right balance that, I'm present and healthy and yeah, just in the moment is probably my ongoing one that I'm, I think I'll probably be working on forever, yeah. but yeah.
0: It's always fine tuning that one, isn't it? What, um, what have you found that's helped? Like what have you, tools you've implemented, strategies or yeah, what, what has helped with that balance? Because that is definitely one that, it's a universal one, I think, and I'm always curious to hear how people tackle it.
1: Yeah, I've trialed a few things like um, I used to always have like my smartwatch on and I just don't use it anymore because each time it buzzes you know I'm like I'm pulled um, and then I've turned off like all the notifications on all my apps so that they just can't I have to choose to open it which has helped a lot um, and like with work you know I used to always check because I've got like the work stuff on my phone I check the emails and then I was getting stressed out at like eight o'clock at night because I'll see what I'm going to do tomorrow And I don't need to do that. Like, there's no harm in just checking it tomorrow. And even if it is like, oh my gosh, oh well. Like, at least I had that night. So um, just setting those kind of boundaries, I think. One thing I found really useful, which I ebb and flow with this one, but I've got all my social media apps, notifications are turned off and I have like the screen time thing. So I only get 15 minutes a day and then it blocks it. Um, But then I've also got the Notes app in there. And I have this rule that anytime I want to open Instagram, for instance, I have to open the notes app and write like at least one or two sentences of anything, like what I'm reflecting on, or like a gratitude thing, or something I'm struggling with, can be anything, but I've got to write like two sentences before I'm allowed to use the app, and like often I, I go to check social medias, and then I'm like, ah, oh, I've got to write my note, sometimes I don't want to write the notes, I'm like, never mind, other times I'll write the note, and I'm like, oh, I actually just wanted to check my phone, I didn't I didn't need to go on Instagram. I just wanted, I had that compulsion for that and writing the note has helped. And then like the benefit of that is all of a sudden you've got like a micro journal and you've been reflecting and you can go like a couple of times, like what you're talking about with arguments and stuff. I flicked back to one of my like notes from three weeks ago and I'm like, huh, I was grumpy about this then. Interesting. Yes. And like you, often you don't actually, I don't, maybe other people's memory works better, but I, I just forget, I guess I don't, realize when you've got it written down like that you're like oh i didn't even realize that that keeps coming up for me why is that and but i wouldn't make the time to sit down at the end of the night and write in a journal i've tried that just i don't stick with it but i check my phone often enough that doing a quick sentence or two that's i can just tack that on to the natural behavior of checking my phone i love it man
0: i love it i want to get specific with that so you do you have your social media let's just go instagram you have the Instagram app in a folder and the notes is next to it. Yeah. Yep. Gotcha. And so.
1: Yeah. So I've got like YouTube, Instagram, all in the one Facebook, one folder. Uh, TikTok, all in one, one folder in and there. notes is the first app. Nice. Yeah. And so
0: it's just to put, yeah, gotcha. And then um, just a sentence or two. Yeah. I love that, man. I love that because the amount of times I yeah, get. Yeah. So often you'll yeah.
1: write huge amounts, you know, cause I like once often all you need is that first sentence. You're like, yeah, why is that? And then you start just sort of typing away and, yeah, you've got a huge spiel. And do you have
0: it as one long note? Do you start a new note each time? I make a
1: new one each day. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Oh, man, that's
1: so good. I love that. I'm going to implement that. (laughs) It's real good, man. Sometimes I, like, fall off the bandwagon of it and miss a few days. And and I've had to work on that too because, I like, I realized that I was then being negative self-talk to myself of like here you go again not sticking (laughs) with the blah blah and i'm like no 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 no, no, it can't be there because if it's negatively geared i'm not going to do it at all you know so it has to be like oh well i missed a couple days it's okay jump back in all good
0: (laughs) yeah yeah nice one man love that beautiful man thank you so much um really rich open conversation really appreciate your yeah vulnerability in sharing sharing your journey sharing your experience um yeah, as we wrap up, is there anything else that you want to share? Like any thoughts that have popped up that that we didn't get to dive into or anything else that you um, yeah want to share with everybody listening?
1: Oh, I'm sure there's heaps, man. But um, <laughs> yeah, probably just, yeah, that main thing of like, if there's anyone that is listening that is struggling, like, man, it's okay. and And do actually like consider getting help, even if you think you don't have enough money for it or whatever, like, If you can afford a netflix subscription i'm sure you can probably find a way to look after your mental health and if you do feel really resistant to it like look at that why are you so resistant to it like and if it's like because it makes me weaker or anything like that why would that be like why would you not want to improve your mental health like i just i just think it is so and, and i'm sure there's probably someone that is listening that this is true for, and they're still like,
0: no, nah. nah, shut up.
1: <laughs> you know, like they're probably it's still like, and I get it, I do, but I do think it is worth like just like, yeah, or even the next time you feel anger or resentment to your partner, again, like try and take a step back and be like, Why am I feeling this way? Does it serve me? Does it serve her? Does it serve us? Like, what's happening here that I'm feeling this way? Mm-hmm. Um, because I think just like just those two things, really, if you could be kind to your partner. And you can be kind to yourself, man, your life is gonna be so much better. And like it doesn't, it doesn't have to be a negative thing. It's how you perceive the world is how the world is. If you come at it with a nice angle, you can you're still gonna have the ups and downs. But man, if you can just try and spin it in that way and, and get tools to help it, do yeah, it.
0: Beautiful, man. Amazing. Thanks so much, my man. Um oh yeah, I'll I'll link your Instagram page. I definitely recommend go. Go follow Logan underscore Kiwi See dad. You, um, yeah, he's got some quality content over there, starting some good conversations. So appreciate you, my man. And um, yeah, until next time, we'll, we'll chat to you soon. <laughs>